Chapter Five of Murder at Bridge. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Murder at Bridge by Anne Austen. Chapter Five. Shame on you, Bonnie Dundee! Cried Penny Crane, her small fist clenched belligerently. Death hand, indeed! You talk like a New York tabloid. And if you don't realize that all of us have stood pretty nearly as much as we can without having to play the hand at bridge, the very hand we played while Nita Selim was being murdered, then you haven't the decency and human feelings I've credited you with. A murmur of indignant approval accompanied her tirade and buzzed on for a moment after she had finished, but it ceased abruptly as Dundee spoke. Who's conducting this investigation, Penny Crane, you or I? You will kindly let me do it in my own fashion, and try to be content when I tell you that, in my humble opinion, what I propose is absolutely necessary to the solution of this case. Bickering, Dundee grinned to himself, exactly as if they had known each other always, had quarreled and made up with fierce intensity for years. Really, Mr. Dundee, Judge Hugo Marshall began pompously, embracing his young wife protectingly, I must say that I agree with Miss Crane. This is an outrage, sir, an outrage to all of us, and particularly to this frail little wife of mine, already half hysterical over the ordeal she has endured. Take your places, Dundee ordered curtly. After all, there was a limit to the careful courtesy one must show to Hamilton's inmost circle of society. Penny led the way to the bridge tables, the very waves of her brown bob seeming to bristle with futile anger. But she obeyed, Dundee exulted. The way to tame this blessed little shrew had been solved by old Bill Shakespeare centuries ago. As the women took their places at the two tables, arguing a bit among themselves, with semi-hysterical edges to their voices, Dundee watched the men, but all of them with the exception of Dexter Sprague, that typical son of Broadway, so out of place in this company, had managed at least a fine surface control, their lips tight, their eyes hard, narrowed, and watchful. Sprague slumped into a vacated chair and closed his eyes, revealing finely wrinkled, yellowish lids. "'Where shall we begin?' Polly Beale demanded brusquely. "'Remember, this table had finished playing when Karen began to deal what you call the death hand,' she reminded him scornfully. "'And Flora wasn't here at all. She had been dummy for our last hand.' "'And had gone out to telephone,' Dundee interrupted. "'Mrs. Miles, will you please leave the room, and return exactly when you did return?' or as nearly so as you can remember? Dundee was sure that Mrs. Miles's sallow face took on a grayish tinge as she staggered to her feet and wound an uncertain way toward the hall. Tracy Miles sprang to his wife's assistance, but Sergeant Turner took it upon himself to lay a detaining hand on the too anxious husband's arm. With no more than the lifting of an eyebrow, Dundee made Captain Strawn understand that Flora Miles's movements were to be kept under strict observation and the chief of the homicide squad as unobtrusively conveyed the order to a plainclothesman loitering interestedly in the wide doorway. Now, he was answering Polly Beale's question, I should like the remaining three of you to behave exactly as you did when your last hand was finished. Did you keep individual score, as is customary in contract, or were you playing auction? Contract, Polly Beale answered curtly, and when we're playing among ourselves like this, one at each table is usually elected to keep score. Janet was scorekeeper for us this afternoon, but we all waited after our last hand was played, 
for Janet to give us the result for our tally cards. Dundee drew near the table, picked up the three tally cards, ornamental little affairs and rather expensive, glanced over the points recorded, then asked abruptly, Where is Mrs. Miles's tally? I don't see it here. There was no answer to be had, so he let the matter drop, temporarily, though his shorthand notebook received another deeply underlined series of pothooks. "'Go on, please, at both tables,' Dundee commanded. "'Your table,' he nodded toward Penny, who was already over her flare of temper, "'will please select the cards each held at the conclusion of Mrs. Marshall's deal.' "'Oh, I'd never remember all my cards in the world,' Carolyn Drake wailed. "'I know I had five clubs, ace, king, queen—' "'You had the jack, not the queen, for I held it myself.' Penny contradicted her crisply. "'Until this matter of who held which cards after Mrs. Marshall's deal is settled, I shall have to ask you all to remain as you are now,' Dundee said to the players seated at the other table. At last it was threshed out, largely between Penny Crane and Karen Marshall, the latter proving to have a better memory than Dundee had expected. At last even Caroline Drake's querulous fussiness was satisfied or trampled down. Both Judge Marshall and John Drake started forward to inspect the cards, which none of the players was trying to conceal, but Dundee waved them back. "'Please, I want you men, all of you, to take your places outside, and return to this room in the order of your arrival this afternoon. Try to imagine that it is now, if I can trust Mr. Miles's apparently excellent memory, exactly five-twenty-five. "'Pretty hard to do, considering it's now a quarter-past seven and there's still no dinner in sight.' Tracy Miles grumbled, then brightened. "'I can come right back in, then, at 5.27, can't I?' That point settled, and the men sent away, to be watched by several pairs of apparently indolent police eyes. Dundee turned to the bridge table, Nita's leaving of which had provided her murderer with his opportunity. "'The cards are dealt,' Penny reminded him. "'Now, I want you other three to scatter exactly as you did before,' Dundee commanded, hurry and excitement in his voice." Lois Dunlap rose, laid down her tally-card, and strolled over to the remaining table. After a moment's hesitation, Polly Beale strode mannishly out of the room, straight into the hall. Dundee, watching as the bridge players earlier that afternoon certainly had not, was amazed to see Clive Hammond beckoning to her from the open door of the solarium. So Clive Hammond had arrived ahead of Tracy Miles, had somehow entered the solarium unnoticed, and had managed to beckon his fiancée to join him there. Prearranged? And why had Clive Hammond failed to enter and greet his hostess first? Moreover, how had he entered the solarium? But things were happening in the living-room. Janet Raymond, flushing so that her sunburned face outdid her red hair for vividness, was slowly leaving the room also. Through a window opening on the wide front porch, Dundee saw the girl take her position against a pillar, then, a thing she had not done before, very probably, press her handkerchief to her trembling lips. But the bidding was going on, Karen Marshall piping in her childish treble, three spades. Dundee took his place behind her chair, then silently beckoned to Penny to shift from her own chair opposite Carolyn Drake to the chair Nita Salim had left to go to her death. She nodded understandingly. Double, quavered Carolyn Drake, next on the left to the dealer, and managed to raise her eyebrows meaningly to Penny, her partner, who had not yet changed places. Penny, throwing herself into the spirit of the thing, scowled warningly. No exchanging of illicit signals for Penny Crane. 
but the instant she slipped into Nita Selim's chair her whole face and body took on a different matter. She underwent almost a physical change. She was Nita Selim now. She tucked her head, considered her cards, laughed a little breathless note, then cried triumphantly, "'And I say, five spades! What do you think of that, partner?' Then the girl who was giving an amazing imitation of Nita Selim changed as suddenly into her own character as she had changed chairs. "'Nita, I don't think it's quite Hoyle to be so jubilant about the strength of your hand,' she commented tartly. "'I pass.' Karen Marshall pretended to study her hand for a frowning instant, then, under Penny's spell, announced with a pretty air of bravado, six spades. Your raise to five makes a little slam obligatory, doesn't it, Nita?' Carolyn Drake flushed and looked uneasily toward Penny, a bit of by-play which Dundee could see had not figured in the original game. But she bridled and shifted her plump body in her chair, as she must have done before. "'I double a little slam,' she declared. Then, still acting the role she had played in earnest that afternoon, she explained importantly, "'I always double a little slam on principle.' Penny, in the role of Nita, redoubled with an exultant laugh, then, as herself, said, "'Pass!' with a murderous glance at Mrs. Drake. "'Let's see your hand, partner,' Karen quavered, addressing a woman who had been dead nearly two hours. Then she shuddered. "'Oh, this is too horrible!' as Penny Crane again slipped into Nita Selim's chair, and prepared to lay down the dummy hand. And it was horrible, even if vitally necessary, for these three to have to go through the farce of playing a bridge hand, while one of the original players was lying on a marble slab at the morgue, her cold flesh insensible to the coroner's expert knife. But Dundee said nothing, for Tracy Miles was already hovering in the doorway, ready for his cue to enter. Penny, or rather Nita, was saying, "'How's this, Karen, darling?' as she laid down the ace and deuce of spades, Karen's trumps. "'I hope you remember you are vulnerable as well as we,' Carolyn remarked in a sorry imitation of her original cocksureness, as she opened the play by leading the ace of clubs. "'And how's this, partner? A singleton in clubs!' Nita's imitator demanded triumphantly, as she continued to lay down her dummy hand, slapping the lone nine of clubs down beside trumps. "'And this little collection of hearts!' as she displayed and arranged the king, jack, eight, and four of hearts, and this, as a length of diamonds, ace, jack, ten, eight, seven, and six, slithered down the glossy linen cover of the bridge-table toward Karen Marshall. Now, if you don't make your little slam, infant, don't dare say I shouldn't have jumped you to five. I figured you for a blank or a singleton in diamonds, and at least the ace of hearts, or you, cautious as you are, wouldn't have made an original three-spade bird without the ace. Hop to it, darling." "'This is where I enter,' Tracy Miles whispered to Dundee, and at a nod from the young detective, the pudgy little blond man strode jauntily into the living-room, proud of himself in the role of actor. "'Hello, everybody. How's tricks?' he called genially, but there was a quiver of horror in his voice under its blitheness. Penny was quite pale when she sprang from her chair, but her voice seemed to be Nita's very own, as she sang out, "'It can't be five-thirty already.' "'Thank heaven I'm dummy, and can run away and make myself pretty pretty for you and all the other great big men, Tracy darling.' Dundee's keen memory registered the slight difference in the wording of the greeting as reported by this pseudo-Nita and the man she was running to meet. But Penny, as Nita, was already straightening Tracy Miles's necktie with possessive, coquettish fingers, was coaxing, with head tucked alluringly, "'Tracy, my ownest lamb, 
"'Won't you shake up the cocktails for Nita? The makings are all on the sideboard, or I don't know my precious old Lydia, even if her poor jaw does ache most horribly.' Then Penny, as Nita, was on her way, pausing in the doorway to blow a kiss from her fingertips to the fatuously grinning but now quite pale Tracy Miles. She was out of sight for only an instant, then reappeared and very quietly retraced her steps to the bridge-table. Unobtrusively Dundee drew his watch from his pocket, palmed it as he noted the exact minute, then commanded curtly, "'On with the game!' As Tracy Miles passed the first bridge-table, Lois Dunlop linked her arm in his, saying in a voice she tried to make gay and natural, "'I'm trailing along, Tracy, simply dying for a nip of scotch. Nita's is the real stuff, which is more than my fussy old Pete can get half the time, and you know I loathe cocktails.' The two passed on into the dining-room, the players scarcely raising their eyes from their cards, which they held as if the game were real. Dundee, his watch still in his hand, advanced to the bridge-table. Strolling from player to player, he made mental photographs of each hand, then took his stand behind Penny's chair to observe the horribly farcical playing of it. Poor little Penny, he reflected. She hadn't a chance against that dumbbell across the table from her. Fancy anyone's doubling a little slam-bid on a hand like Carolyn Drake's, or even calling an informatory double in the first place. Why hadn't she bid four clubs after Karen's original three-spade bid if she simply wanted to give her partner information? Not that she really had a bid. Karen's hand trembled as she drew the lone nine of clubs from the dummy to place beside Carolyn's ace, but Penny's fingers were quite steady as she followed with the deuce of clubs, to which Karen added, with a trace of characteristic uncertainty, the eighth. "'There's our book,' Carolyn Drake exulted obediently, but she cast an apologetic glance toward Penny. "'If we take one more trick, we set them.' "'That chance,' Penny obligingly responded, and Dundee, relieved, knew that the farcical game would now be played almost exactly, and with the same comments as it had been played while Nita Selim was being murdered. "'Thanks to Penny Crane.' With a shame-faced glance upward at Dundee, Carolyn Drake then led the deuce of diamonds, committing the gross tactical error of leading from the queen. Karen added the jack from the dummy, and Penny shruggingly contributed her king, to find the trick, as she had suspected in the original game, trumped by the five of spades, since Karen had no diamonds. "'So that settles us, Carolyn,' Penny commented acidly. Her partner rose to the role she was playing. "'Well, as I said, I always double a little slam on principle. Besides, how could I know they would have a chance for cross-roughing in both clubs and diamonds? I thought you would at least hold the ace of diamonds, and that Karen would certainly have one, as I only had four. Penny shrugged. "'Oh, well, let's play bridge, for Karen was staring at her cards helplessly. "'Sorry, Karen, I realize a post-mortem is usually held after the playing of a hand, not before.' I, I guess I'd better get my trumps out. Karen, now almost a genuine actress, too, breathed tremulously. I do wish Nita were playing this hand. I know I'll muff it somehow. Good kid, Dundee commented silently, and allowed himself the liberty of patting Karen on her slim shoulder. The girl threw an upward glance of gratitude through misty eyes, then led the six of spades, Mrs. Drake contributing the four, dummy taking the trick with the ace, and Penny relinquishing the three. "'Let's see. That makes five of them, since I trumped one trick,' Karen said, as she reached across the table to lead from dummy. 
As if the words were a cue, which they probably were, Judge Marshall entered the room at that moment, making a great effort to be as jaunty, debonair, and young for his age as he must have thought he looked when he made his entrance when the real game was being played. At his step Karen lifted her head and greeted her elderly husband with a curious mixture of childlike joy and womanly tenderness. "'Hello, darling. I'm trying to make a little slam I may have been foolish to bid, but Nita jumped me from three to five spades.' "'Let's have a look, sweetheart,' the retired judge suggested pompously, and Dundee gave way to make room for him behind Karen's chair. But before Judge Marshall looked at his wife's cards, he bent and kissed her on her flushed cheek, and Karen raised a trembling hand to tweak his grey moustache. Dundee, with an uplifted eyebrow, queried Penny, who nodded shortly, conveying the information that this was the way the scene had really been played, when there was no question of acting. "'I'm getting out my trumps, darling,' Karen confided sweetly, as she reached for the deuce of spades, the only remaining trump in the dummy. "'What's your hurry, child?' her husband asked indulgently. "'Lead this!' and he pointed toward the six of diamonds. "'I wish you'd get a puncture, Hugo, so you couldn't have butted in before this hand was played,' Carolyn Drake sputtered. "'Remember, this is a little slam bid, doubled and redoubled.' "'I should think you would like to forget that, Carolyn,' Penny commented bitingly. "'But I agree with Carolyn, Hugo, that Karen is quite capable of making her little slam without your assistance.' "'Please don't mind,' Karen begged. "'Hugo just wanted to help me, because I'm such a dub at bridge.' "'The finest little player in town,' Judge Marshall encouraged her gallantly, but with a jaunty wink at the belligerent Penny. Smiling adoringly at him again, Karen took his suggestion and led the six of diamonds from the dummy. Penny covered it with the nine, Karen ruffed with the seven of spades from her own hand, and Mrs. Drake lugubriously contributed the four of diamonds. "'I can get my trumps out now, can't I, Hugo?' Karen asked deprecatingly, and, at her husband's smiling permission, she led the king of spades. Carolyn had to give up the jack, which she must have foolishly thought would take a trick. The dummy contributed the deuce, and Penny followed her with her own last trump, the eight. Karen counted on her fingers, her eyes on the remaining trumps in her hand, then smiled triumphantly up at her husband. "'Why not simply tell us, Karen, that the rest of the trumps are in your own hand?' Penny suggested caustically. "'I—I I didn't mean to do anything wrong,' Karen pleaded, as she led now with the ten of hearts, which drew in Carolyn's queen to cover, Carolyn murmuring religiously, "'Always cover an honor with an honor. Or should I have played second-hand low, Penny?' topped by the king and the dummy, the trick being completed by Penny's three of hearts. At that point John C. Drake marched into the room, strode straight to Dundee, and spoke with cold anger. "'Enough of this nonsense! I, for one, refuse to act like a puppet for your amusement. If you are so vitally interested in contract bridge, I should advise you to take lessons from an expert, not from three terrified women who are rather poor players at best.' I also advise you to get about the business you are supposed to be here for, the finding of a murderer. End of chapter 5